So StudyFast has been able to empower 10,000 plus people in 147 countries to learn anything faster by training reading speed and effective comprehension. Today, we have the CEO of StudyFast, Jordan Harry, on the show today. So welcome to the show, Jordan. I'm super excited to have you on today's episode. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'm super excited too. And for those listeners who are wondering where I am right now, I'm in the UK, if you can tell by my British accent. Um, and I love how we've connected all through Instagram and YouTube. So thank you for having me on. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. This is going to be an amazing conversation. Uh, And I've always had this belief that reading speed and understanding were like two sides of a tug of war. So if I wanted to read something faster, I had to sacrifice how effectively I was consuming that information and absorbing it and vice versa. So the, the, the way that I stumbled upon, you know, study fast and what you've been trying to do is I watched your TEDx video, which by the way, has over 1 million One views. <laughs> so if you haven't seen it yet, those 10 minutes and 49 seconds, whatever it is, will be the yeah, will be the most effective way to spend your time that will benefit you in the future. So it definitely did for me to say the least. I'm definitely going to leave a link for that video in the description below. So with that being said, why don't we start off Jordan with just introducing yourself a little bit and diving into what exactly is StudyFast and what services you offer to help people. Excellent. Um, a great intro, one which I could never perfect myself. Uh, but my name is Jordan Harry, and I teach people how to read faster and remember more. And we do this through delivering in-person workshops and online training via our online courses. Now, you know, this isn't an overnight success. It's taken three, five, potentially 10 years to become an overnight success. And of course, there's still so much more we want to achieve. But to kind of strip it back to where StudyFast started, so you don't hear my story from the TED Talk, I started it in my dorm room, like every great business, at university, and it was in my first year. And I realized I was way behind my peers, probably because of my own faults. (laughs) You know, I've never been one of those gifted and talented students. Um, I've been okay, and I've always gotten with my teachers, but I knew there must be a faster, more efficient way to do things, you know, and I think... I've got, well, I know I've got an addictive personality. So, you know, I'm always trying to figure out, okay, how can I do this faster? How can I do this quicker, better? So me and my dyslexic roommate, which will come apparent shortly, we simply Googled how to read faster. And we went to our library. We got the first speed reading book we could find. We started bragging to all our friends. But within a week, we both gave it up because it just seemed like this superpower, which only the rare few of us could have. However, I kept buying business books because I wanted to start a business. You know, the idea of a a nine-to-five breaking that cycle, passive income, which is all dreams. (laughs) Don't believe it. Um, You work more than nine-to-five. You work in nine-to-one when it's done. But then I realized I had all these business books on my shelf, all of which I hadn't read. And I picked up a book, Tim Ferriss, The 4-Hour Work Week. And I know, don't know if we're speaking off air that you've read that too. And um, he talked about how he dabbled with speed reading whilst he was at uni and he taught a few people and I was like hmm okay yeah well I want to learn speed reading right and all these business books are telling me to find out what you enjoy and how can you make money from it so I invested a lot of time and money I sent a lot of emails to a lot of old big bearded speed readers and asked for their help um, many didn't get back to me but the rare few that did offered to help me um, discounted rates for free um, flew me all over the place to learn from them and from purely having that curiosity, <laughs> I created, I guess, a mythology, which I was really passionate about. 
you know, they knew that I was trying to start a business, but in their eyes, <laughs> and maybe to their kind of naivete, they thought I was a competition. They saw me as one, a young guy, you know, and all, you know, to this day, of course, you can't take my word for it. All speed readers out there who are really dominating the field are, of course, beyond the age of 40. Uh, they're white men and they've all got PhDs and highly, highly educated. Mm. Um, so here I am, you know, a mixed race student um, who has a sense of humor, <laughs> which I think I do anyway. Um, and who's trying to do something different, who's trying to show anyone how to speed read and use these memory techniques in the real world, whilst what they were doing was putting everyone into a box. You know, it's corporates, and this is how you would speed read hmm. um, a factual piece of material. And then you'd have to go to a separate person to learn memory training. And of course, I thought, why don't I teach both? But not only that, how could I look at applying it to real world examples, like learning a language, um, how to learn a martial arts, um, remembering long digits of numbers, um, and then, of course, then looking into people's yeah. day-to-day lifestyles, you know, and how can they apply it to that? So it's a longer process, but it's more meaningful. And um, hopefully I'm impacting as many people as I can. Yeah. So that's me. Absolutely, man. So what uh, what services does StudyFast offer then to train people? So today we have six products and to kind of break them down, we have in-person and online. So at studyfast.uk, we couldn't get .co.uk, god damn it. It was like over thousands of pounds. Um, but I won't tell you about my hate for domain companies. <laughs> so at studyfast.uk, we have two online courses, a speed reading one and a memory one. Um, both vary in the duration um, and they're all going to get you results in your real life. And then we also offer workshops. So I will come into a company, um, to a college, university, and teach teachers how to apply these techniques in the classroom to not only make their students' lives easier um, and, of course, get better results, but to make the teachers' lives easier. You know, if the teachers can save an hour, an evening on marking, that's seven, five hours a week. You know, this is going to add up over time. Um, And they slowly get their real life back. So, yeah, that's how the business is kind of ran. And my best friend, who was and is dyslexic, he's now another instructor. So it's really ironic. He was my first customer mm-hmm. <laughs> to try and train the dyslexic person to speak. Okay. Once I got him to a certain level, he fell in love with what I was doing and he started working for yeah. me free. And I said to him, look, as soon as I can afford to pay you, you know, I will. And um, so yeah, now me and him are out there training people. We have a great team as well behind us that makes the whole business runs smoothly um yeah i'm very blessed to be in a position i am right yeah man um so the one thing that really stood out to me right in the beginning of the speech that you gave gave in your tedx talk was there's no such thing as a bad reader just those with bad reading habits and the same thing was said about um memory with one of the workshops that you said Mm. uh it was there's no such thing as a bad memory just an untrained one and a trained one right uh, I think the one habit that you pointed out, not only in the video, but also uh, in the free online ebook, which Jordan does offer, um, and it created a huge revelation for me, was mm. sub vocalization. So, talk to me a little bit about that habit and why it holds us back in terms of reading speed. That beautiful monster, hey? <laughs> so, sub vocalization <laughs> is to sum it up, it's that little voice in your head that you use when you read. Now, if you don't think you have a voice, well, it's that voice in your head telling you you don't have a voice. 
So this voice in your head, you know, why is it so bad? Well, the thing is, one, you may not notice you have it, or two, you do. Now, if we're keeping that voice in our head, we can only read as fast as we can talk. I'll say that again. If we still have that voice in our head, we can only read as fast as we can talk. So the average talking speed depends, of course, unless you're Tony Robbins and you can talk at 500 words per minute, is <laughs> between 200 and 250 words per minute. <laughs> so it's no surprise that when you look at the statistical data, and of course, when you put them into categories like students, teachers, corporate professionals, there are deviations. But the average student is between 200 and 250 words per minute. And in actual many cases for adults who aren't required to read that often in their job roles, it can be even lower. And this is because as we're reading, we're hearing the words instead of seeing them. Now, there's a variety of ways you can break it. Now, two of the quickest ways. One, mm. read faster. <laughs> I know that's like, but Jordan, that doesn't help us. If you read faster, the voice can't keep up. You know, and we actually do this exercise where we get people's eyes moving faster than what they're accustomed to, so much that the comprehension drops. And many students in the classroom are like, Jordan, nothing's going in. I'm like, just do it for four minutes. And what they find is after one minute, they start picking up the key words. And they're moving their finger across each line at like mm. a second. And then after the two minutes, they're like, okay, I'm getting a gist of what I'm reading now. And by four minute period, they're understanding the big picture. And this is because what happens is, big word alert, super compensation it's like when you are driving a car if you go at 30 miles per hour which is comfortable everything past your window you can take in you can comprehend okay if we accelerate the car now to 90 miles per hour increasing your reading speed everything's flying past your window and you probably can't really take too much what's going in especially the detail now if we were to slow down to 50 miles per hour 50 miles per hour seems relatively slower compared to 90 and your eyes at least your brain is taking a lot more what's going on outside but yet 50 miles per hour stick with me with the numbers <laughs> it's 20 miles faster than what you were doing mm -hmm. at 30. now of course if you're in america we'll just put a k on the end kilometers <laughs> so what this explains is a super compensation effect the fact that we push the reading speed or your ability to consume information beyond what you feel comfortable Mm -hmm. and then we reduce it and because we've done such an extreme jump anything below that seems relatively comfortable and so your brain begins to catch up now that's something of course done within one workshop we can really drag this process out you know and so the idea is if we can read faster read up 500 words per minute that voice just wow, can't okay. keep up but the key thing is we don't want to eliminate the voice and I always comment and I try to reply to every comment. You know, I, I want to hold myself accountable for that. Um, and this morning I was going through the YouTube comments, which is even more each week <laughs> than it was when there was only a thousand views. And um, the common conversation is you'll get someone who's like, I can't remove that voice. This is rubbish. I, I, and I've watched my video back. I don't say we eliminate it. We want to reduce it because it is useful for learning new words. Right now, estoy aprendiendo español. I'm learning Spanish right now, and I understand that if you can't pronounce the word, you don't know what it means. So this is where sub-vocalization becomes useful. But Johnny, you know, you know what the word because means. So why do you need to say it in your head? You know, and there's various examples of this. You see the stop sign, you don't go stop in your head. 
you know, you see the stop sign, you know what the word means, and you continue. So it's really key that some people will struggle getting rid of it. Some people will be able to get rid of it instantly. And so the second way, um, probably the most practical way, is to introduce a low-level distraction. A low-level distraction such as pressing the tip of your tongue behind your front teeth, so to the roof of your mouth. It's such a low cognitive effort for your brain to do that, that your brain struggles to focus on two things effectively at once. So whilst you're reading, you won't necessarily be able to hear that voice clearly whilst you're trying to press the tongue to the top of your mouth. That's just one technique. The other one, which I don't give away in the TED Talk, so this is an exclusive, <laughs> is you can tap on your leg. You know, and this is also a great tempo for whilst you're reading. Once again, it's a low-level distraction where you're having a focus on tapping on your leg, but it's not so much of a distraction where you struggle to keep up with what you're reading. But it's big enough that your brain struggles to pay attention to that voice in your head. And the third low-level distraction is going to an environment which you get your best work done. Kind of sounds common sense, but it isn't common practice. Things like a coffee shop, which I talk about in the TED Talk, you know, it's never, hopefully it's never too loud unless you go to, I think it's called Joe and Juice, that coffee shop. I don't know if you have those. Uh, where you are, no, I don't think so. No. Ah, yeah. It might be a UK thing, but you come in and yeah. it's ridiculously noisy with music. Um, mm. But they're known for that and that's why they do so well. But most coffee shops, you know, it's low level murmuring, conversations in the background. And what's great is your brain has to focus more on the work that you're doing so it doesn't get distracted by the breakup behind you. <laughs> However, mm. if the environment is too loud, then your brain will get distracted. Alternatively, if you go to a library and there's no noise, then you will find yourself daydreaming. And I think we can all relate. So what I would recommend is, you know, don't take my word as yeah. a Bible. Some of you listening now might be like, but Jordan, the library is where I get my best work done. Perfect. That works for you. All I'm saying is that science has shown if you can get the brain into an alpha state, which is a relaxed state, and this is where you hear stuff like listening to classical music or listening to music without lyrics, this is where this has kind of originated from. It's because it gets your brain into a relaxed state, which is perfect for learning something new. So I would encourage you to try something new, you know, whether that is listening to music without lyrics, listening to classical music, going to a coffee shop, tapping your leg, pressing the tip of your tongue, above on your roof of your mouth or learning to increase your reading speed then you will find that that voice over time will slowly reduce uh, those are some real practical things that i can give the listeners of course via audio uh, but there's a whole host wow. of techniques to get rid of that voice yeah i bet man um so what what do you think is the biggest roadblock mm. for people in terms of improving their reading slash memory yeah. skills? Like, do you think it's a it, do you think it's a lack of awareness that you know they just think ah oh, I'm just not a good reader I'll just I'll live with it or do you think like people aren't applying the effort or is it is there something that's just holding people back? You know, it's I love you know, it's such a unique question, um, and I'm always learning something new every day. If you asked me that question maybe a couple months ago, I would have given you a different answer but I am very mm -hmm. confident with the one I give you today, which is mindset. It's exactly what you said. It's got two sides to it. One is people aren't aware of it. So it's that awareness factor, you know, I'm a bad reader. I'm bad at remembering names. So therefore it's fixed. 
you know, often when I speak to people, they don't know what I do, they don't know it existed, <laughs> and they didn't know that you could improve your reading speed. You know, I don't think it's something that passes many people's minds on a daily basis. And that comes to my second point, which is learning to read faster and improve your memory isn't sexy. You know, it just isn't. You know, of all the things we have going on in our lives, people want to make more money. People want you know, have better health and people want more time. And I get that what I teach comes under uh, more time. And if you use it correctly, you can make more money. And if you want to learn new martial arts, yes, it can help your health. However, it isn't the top of the list. And so what I'm trying to do is I'm talking about, look, I'm not a super geek, although I argue I am now. <laughs> but, you know, the stereotype of both what a geek should be and something quite controversial, which I'm about to put a new video out, of what a person of colour should be doing. You know, the fact is, once again, to this day, I'm sure I can't use absolutes. There's no one of colour doing what I do. I'm the only person that looks like me. I'm the only person of African descent teaching people how to learn faster and more effectively. Um, why, you know, that's a whole different podcast. But I'm trying to show people, like, look, the stereotype of a geek being, you know, let's be transparent, a white kid in their room, skinny, glasses, ugly, not cool, bullied. That's what we think of, at least, I imagine, the general consensus. Correct me if I'm wrong. Johnny. No, 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 I definitely agree. The stereotypes that are in place, mm. yeah. Yeah, and, you know, stereotypes are good because our brains want to be efficient. You know, when we look at someone, we don't want to spend minutes, hours trying to figure out who this person is. You know, we judge a book by its cover. So when we see someone, we automatically um, discriminate. We have uh, prejudices because mm. we want to, comes back to our primal state, we want to know, are we safe? Are we secure? Can this person bring me value? So when you look at me and arguably, I would say, I'm okay looking, I've got tattoos, um, not crazy tattoos <laughs> for those that haven't seen what I look like. Um, you know, I'm mixed race. I do so much more than what I do. You know, I'm a top athlete. Um, I travel a lot. Um, I party. You know, I'm multi-dimensional. And I think for many people, they're like, hmm, okay, this isn't what I expected speed reading or being able to learn faster would look like. And I know it sounds weird, but I'm trying to show people, like, look, this is a really cool skill. I'm not trying to make it sexy, but, you know, these gym Instagram people, they make the gym sexy. You know, and the gym definitely isn't sexy. <laughs> um, and I guess I'm trying to be that role model of, <laughs> look, being a geek is okay. You don't have to be antisocial. You don't have to um, have some weird social abilities when you're put in social environments just because you're smart you can't get on with people um if anything you should be able to adapt a lot better so yeah it's two two things mindset thing they never thought you could improve it and number two it's not the coolest thing to be doing um and this is the mission i'm on i guess to make speed reading and memory training sexy <laughs> and to show people like how cool this skill really is um, and that anyone regardless of their background, can improve their reading speed and their ability to learn more. Wow. Yeah, I definitely agree with what you just said. I and I think it's becoming more and more prominent that, you know, reading speed and comprehension is is improving and is a topic of interest mm. now because we are in the age of 
content creation, yep. right? As you talk a lot about in the, the things that you preach, information yeah. overload. There's just so many distractions or, or things that we could potentially divulge into that if we want to be able to learn more, we have to find a more effective and productive yep. way to do it. So, you know, improving your reading speed is one, but how would you suggest to not only improve your reading speed, but also maintain a, a certain mm-hmm. level of comprehension? Like in my case right now, I recently started just reading more books, right? And what I do when I read books is I carry a little notebook with me and I just jot down a few key points of what the author said. And I found that it does help with my understanding and, you know, retaining the information better. Mm -hmm. But because I'm pausing and jotting down notes, now my reading speed is super slow. So, you know, how does one improve and increase their reading speed, but also make sure that their comprehension level is on par with that? Brilliant. And I like how you really contextualize that because there's so many different situations. You know, if you're going into a meeting and you haven't read what's going to be discussed, then, you know, necessarily you don't need to take notes prior to that. You know, you have 10 minutes to get through that. So the techniques you use would be different as opposed to if you have a two hour study session, you know. So what I would say to that something kind of universal, which everyone can do, is a technique called self-testing. Self-testing. It is what it says on the tin. What you will do, whether it's a novel or a nonfiction, is read a chapter. And once you've read the chapter, close it and try to recall as much information in sequential order as possible. So be like, okay, at the beginning, he talked about where he was born. He was born in 19, no, was it 1990? Was it 1993? Now, what's great with this is it avoids the illusion of learning. So I'm going to try to unpack this as quick as I can for you, Johnny, and listeners, is what many people do is as they read, they highlight. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say something which even Donald Trump probably won't say. Do not highlight what you're reading. <gasps> I can hear the screams right now. <laughs> Johnny, can I ask, do you highlight when you're reading? Do you mark? Yeah, I, yeah. I usually like carry a pen and I mm. underline a few things that, that pop out. To me, yeah. It's natural because, yeah, oh, that's important. I'm going to highlight that. And when you highlight it, you're like, yep, let's go into my memory. I've learned that. Next. <laughs> now, not saying it's true for everyone, but what happens is when we highlight it, we think we've remembered it. And the truth is highlighting is a technique and a skill which can assist with reviewing. What I mean by that is if you're going to go back to that book and you need to find a key bit of information quickly, then highlighting is fantastic. For many of us, we don't reread our books. So highlighting is great, but not to be done when reading. When we are reading, we talk about distractions. You need to be present. So if you're stopping to highlight, to underline something, not only is that going to increase your reading speed, (laughs) no, slow down your reading speed, sorry, It's also going to distract your thought process because whilst you're Mm -hmm. reading, you're going to be having thoughts. You're going to be having, uh, you're going to be in a focused mode. We won't go into modes of thinking on this podcast, maybe if we do have time. But you're going to be articulating what you're taking in. Mm -hmm. And if you're pausing every so often to highlight, you're breaking that flow. And then it will take you a little while just to get back into the rhythm. So what I would suggest is first time reading something, read it for the purpose of reading and understanding why am I reading this text? What am I looking for? Shut the chapter, then think, okay, so he was born in 1990. Oh, I've forgotten. What's great with that is you've now identified gaps in your knowledge. What many people do, of course, is they highlight and they move on. And I think, yep, I know when he was born. But then when it comes to test time or recalling a bit of information to someone, they never actually know how much 
they remember. Now, the key thing is you never forget something you remember. I'll say that one more time. <laughs> <laughs> you never forget something that you remember. You just never remembered it in the first place. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it's a case of when you were first taking in information, you just didn't make a conscious effort to actually store that into your memory. You saw it and you were familiar with it. But familiarization is not the same as memorization. And when you self-test yourself at the end of a chapter, you actually avoid that illusion of learning. You actually avoid, am I familiar with the date of birth or have I memorized it? So when you're doing a self-test, I know, no, we're talking about self-testing for way too long, <laughs> but you can see why we have to unpack it. When you self-test yourself, you're like, ah, mm -hmm. I actually don't know when he was born. I thought I did. I was familiar with it. And so you go back to the book, you look for the date of birth, now you can highlight. So now you're going over it a second time. You're like, ah, oh, yeah, 1993. It was on 1990. And then you continue, you shut the chapter, and you continue with your recall. Okay, he was born in Louisiana. Um, he had five kids. Da, 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 da. And then you test yourself. You go back, you're like, yep, tick, 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 tick. Um, oh, I missed that important bit of information. I'm going to highlight that as well. And you move on. So you're right. This process takes a little bit of effort. But really, you shut the book. You can say it in your head. The only time that voice in your head is useful. <laughs> And then open your book up and just see how much did you get right and then move on. So, okay, it might take an extra three minutes, but that little bit of effort is going to massively mm. improve your comprehension. Okay. Well, what about, what about like increasing your comprehension and, and memorization in other situations outside of reading books? Like, for example, remembering somebody's name or remembering somebody's oh. birthday because, Excellent. you know, those things sound small, but. Yeah. I think if you can remember those things, like first time you meet with somebody, it can create mm. an outstanding impact on the relationship you have with them. So It sure does. And um, a great guy, Dale Carnegie, in his book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, mm -hmm. he said that the person's name is the sweetest sound to them. And it can be the best compliment, but it can also be the best insult if you pronounce it wrong or if you completely get it wrong. And this is extremely relevant for the business world you know when you're trying to build relationships it's extremely important when you're trying to get relationships and you don't get girls names confused <laughs> and just day to day you know it means a lot to someone if you remember their name so the simplest the quickest way to condense this within an hour is you need to associate the name or the new bit of information with something you already know you know we come back to our brains wanting to be lazy and that's why we stereotype people when we learn something new, we simply attach it to pre-existing information. That's what learning is. Probably I've dumbed down all the years of study. <laughs> but learning is attaching new information to pre-existing information. And if we go deeper, that's how we decide if that information is correct or incorrect. It's all based on our previous experiences. You know, if I told you that earth was flat, you'd be like, no, Jordan, because I've seen this and I've seen that. And um, so-and-so said it. But if you didn't know anything about the F, and I told you the F was flat, you'd have to take that as a given. And hopefully you'd be smart enough to go out and find out more. So what you need to do with learning anything new is you need to associate it to something you already know. So when you meet someone new, associate their name to a celebrity. So say you meet a guy called David. You instantly picture David Hasselhoff. But go deeper, because our brain loves things that are sexual, funny or gory so when you meet david picture this new david 
topless, chiseled. You know, he's tanned, he's glistening. It's quite a weird image. But what's great is we forget ordinary bits of information. You won't forget David Hasselhoff, topless, standing in front of you when you meet someone called David. And he looked nothing like David Hasselhoff. And what this does, it creates a hook in your brain. So if we can think, when you meet someone called David, that's one hook. That's not really reliable because we forget names very easily. You never see someone and say, ah, I remember your name, but I can't remember your face. <laughs> it's always the other way around. You're always like, I remember the face, but ugh, I don't really remember your name. So by attaching a visual image like a celebrity or best friend or something that it sounds like, yeah. this is a second hook. So you work backwards. And it's also a third hook because if you forget who the celebrity was, you remember he had a glistening body and the oil was just dripping off him in the sun. And I should have been a radio presenter. <laughs> so that's a third hook. And you can work backwards from there to eventually get to their name. So for names, the importance is, number one, attention. Because if you don't hear the name correctly at the beginning, it's game over. We also don't forget the names of people who are attractive or important. So give that person your attention whenever you meet them, whether they're good looking or whether they're important. And the third step is associate that name to something you already know. It could be a family member. It could be a celebrity. It could be what the name sounds like. And make a visual image. And you will see with time, you'll be known as the person who never forgets a name. Yeah, so it just goes to show how many different applications there are to you know reading and, and memorizing it's not just about reading books yeah. but it's about no. the different areas you can apply it all to your life I mean memorizing names is one thing but you know you mentioned you're using these skills and tactics to learn a new language to learn mm. martial arts to learn a new skill yeah. right it's all about how you can retain things in your mm. head but I guess the million dollar question is and in a condensed yes. version how can I read a book a day excellent so first of all, it needs to fit in with your lifestyle. You know, we all find two minutes to brush our teeth. <laughs> um, so many people have various things going on in their lives. So depending on what you're reading, if it's a novel, you know, there's no two ways about it. You probably don't want to speed read a novel. You know, it's like watching a good film. You set yourself two hours, you're not going to put the film on two times. So with a novel, nine times out of ten, people want to enjoy that. And they will set time aside to read that novel. And they won't want to speed read it. They will want to visualize the scenery. They will want to imagine what the characters are feeling. So I've learned with time that actually with fiction books, novels, um, autobiographies, you probably won't want to speed read it because ultimately you really do want to enjoy it. I'm not saying you can't enjoy it when you're speed reading, but like I said, you want to allow yourself to switch off and allow yourself to daydream about what could be going on. So to speed read a non-fiction book, you know, a business book, let's say, something where you're looking to get information out from. And many of these authors, believe it or not, a lot, most of their value can be found on five pages. You know, I don't know if you found this, Johnny. You know, you're reading a book and the key information is usually the last paragraph. <laughs> and what they do is they have a story in the middle to kind of make it all sound sweet. But the key principle was talked about at the beginning and at the end. And it comes to Pareto's Law. If you don't know what this is, I recommend people checking out Pareto's Law. It really works in the economy world. It's the idea that 80% of the world's wealth is owned by 20% of the population. 
Have you heard of that before? Johnny? No, not really. No. Ah. Yeah. So this this law applies pretty much all over our lives. You know, the eighty percent of love that your partner feels for you is based on twenty percent of the actions you do. Um. Hmm. You know, we go deeper. The eighty um, percent of what your body looks like right now is based on twenty percent of your results, and that could be going to the gym three times a week. You know, on a macro level. You know, six hours in a week is tiny, but it's giving you 80% of your results when you look at your body. Um, I'm trying to think of other examples. The final example is a book. 80% <laughs> of the value can be found on 20% of the pages. In many cases. Not saying all, but many cases. But an author can't sell a book with just five pages. <laughs> just no one's going to buy that. So they have to fill it up with yeah. waffle. And I'm not saying discrediting authors at all. Because, okay, maybe the term waffle. Is derogatory but they have to add stories and once again we come back to memory we remember best with stories so authors are actually helping us out by filling in with these uh, trivial stories to help you remember a key principle however that's not always necessary so the idea is and i talk people through on the ted talk you need to do a rapid pre-read before reading and the reason why i say this is because many of us start reading on page one or page one of the pdf and we don't see how many pages we have. We've been reading for 20 minutes and we look over at that little sidebar and I hope you know what I'm on about, Johnny. And a little scrolling bar has not moved an inch. And we see it's so thin and we realize, oh shit, there's 120 pages. Right? And I'm, I'm yeah. not a god. This happens to me too. I slip up. So <laughs> what we need to get used to is priming our brain for what's coming. So if our brain knows what's coming, we can instantly assess how long this is going to take me what does this look like? What techniques am I going to use? And is this of value to me? Especially when I was studying, um, you know, a title of a PDF would sound spot on. And I start reading, and I'm like, oh my God, this has nothing to do with what I need to know. How much time I would have saved myself is if I read the subheadings, seen how many pages there were, looked for the keywords, and this all can be done within a couple of minutes. And I would have made a quick assessment. Ah, do I need to read this or not? No. Or maybe, ah, it's just this subheading because I don't know what this is. I know all the rest. Okay, maybe they'll say it in different terms that might resonate with me. But it's this particular subheading and the topic that they're discussing, which I don't know anything about. So to read a book a day, you need a rapid pre-read. It sounds common sense. And once again, I'm sorry for the listeners who have had this before from the TED Talk. But you want to read the front and the back cover, or in many cases, the first and last page. This will give your brain a little bit of context for what's coming. Next, you want to look at the table of content. Now, once again, this sounds common sense, but if you start on page one and it's only up to page 50, where it's new information, you've wasted so much time. So what you want to do then is highlight key chapters of interest. And with those key chapters of interest, skip straight to them. And you can do two things. The first one is you're going to skim. So you're simply just going to scroll through this chapter looking okay there's images okay there's some big words okay there's some italicized um, okay so you're just getting an idea of the format this is really useful for your brain because this means it won't be the first time it's seen it when you start reading this process is tremendous for your comprehension because what you'll find is the time it takes for you to read a chapter three times the average reader would have read it once so you know johnny i know you've kind of reiterated quite a bit but you know comprehension is key it's pointless if you're reading fast, you can't take it in. The second stage is you then want to scan that chapter. 
So this is where you can spend a little bit more time and you're just going to quickly scrolling over maybe 10 seconds per page, looking just for keywords, anything that stands out to you. Once again, creating and priming your brain for what's coming. And then the third stage is you're now going to speed read it using one, two, three, four of your speed reading techniques, depending on how many you know. So one and the most simplest one is using a pacer. So now what you're going to use, you're going to use your finger or pen. And you're going to underline each sentence. And it sounds, once again, so simple, but yet so many of us don't do it. And for those of us that do do it, we probably got told when we were kids to stop using our finger or to read in our heads. So, you know, we're breaking a habit of a lifetime. So expect this might take a little bit of time. So you've read the front page, you've read the back page, you've gone to the table of contents, identified the key chapters, you've gone to those chapters, you've skimmed them, cool, there's no pictures. You've scanned them, cool, couple keywords. You're now to your last stage, you're now speed reading it using one of the techniques, one of them is a pacer. And setting this pace because we don't know how fast or slow we're reading until our eyes get too tired and we shut the book. So actually having your finger as a pacer will make sure not only can you read longer, but you can read faster. And that is how you'll be able to read a book a day by getting 80% of the value from 20% of the content. We don't have enough time, of course, to actually go into depth for yeah. speed reading techniques of each page. But that is probably the most practical way for people to get as much information as possible right. with the time of their lifestyles. Yeah. So before I go into my very last question, do you want to just share with the audience a little bit about where they can find everything you're doing with Study Fast, how they can get involved in some of the programs and the services you're offering? Because everything that Jordan has been speaking about on the podcast is obviously just the tip of the iceberg, right? We're just scratching yeah. the surface here. So there's so many more techniques and more customizable mm. ways to be able to help each and every one of you on your path of you know comprehension and reading speed so jordan you want to share a little bit about where they could find more information how they can get involved how they can contact you stuff like that i really appreciate that thank you my man um so i get a real kick out of conversating with people um and learning how can i help them you know thankfully the business does great offline you know in terms of the clients we have so feel free to reach out to me on linkedin uh, very professional <laughs> and you can find me on jordan harry on most social media channels, especially Instagram, you can find me at Jordan Harry with two N's and two Y's. Um, and just shoot me a message and say you came from this podcast. Um, and if that's the case, I will give you access to one of the online courses. You know, it's the least I can do, Johnny. And in fact, I haven't even given you that offer. <laughs> but we will change it after this. Um, <laughs> Johnny's going to be the first one to get free access. <laughs> and then everyone else, if you've listened to this podcast, you don't even have to follow me. Just let me know that I brought you some value or Johnny's brought you some value and you would like access to the memory course or you'd like access to the speed reading course. And I'll get that sorted for you. So um, thank you for your time, everyone, because that's one thing you can't get back. Yeah, amazing, amazing. So everybody, be sure to go and check everything that Jordan is doing out. I'm going to put a link to everything in the description below. And I'm so, now sending you the course as we speak. <laughs> perfect. Um, so my very last question, Jordan, yes. is if you could write anything on an online post that you could be sure everybody in the world would be able to see, what would you want to put on that post and why? <sighs> Damn it. And I should know this. I listen to another podcast. But I never think, mm, what would I say to something like this? 
I would say, I would say, I guess it's a very simple one that things can always be worse. And people are like, what? We expected something educational, you know, something to do with feeling or memory training. And the reason why I say that is because I'm, <laughs> as I hope I've shown the listeners, is I'm so much more than an entrepreneur, than an athlete, than a speed reader. You know, we all are human beings and we all have down times. Um, and what we all need to realize and remind ourselves, and I, I did a great Instagram post, and I'm going to have to do it again. Actually, let me see if I can get it up. So, whilst I quickly look for it, I'm going to keep waffling it. <laughs> but I would say, um, yeah, things could always be worse for the simple reason. And I'm going to quickly read this out. Okay. If you have food in your fridge, clothes on your body, a roof over your head, and a place to sleep, you're richer than 75% of the entire world. That's just one. The second one. If you have money in your wallet, a little change, and go anywhere you want, you are among the top 18% of the world's wealthiest people. <laughs> okay, so that's if you can book a flight right now. You're in the top 18%. There's just three more pit bits. If you are alive today with more health than illness, you are more blessed than the million people who will not survive this week and die. Quite a dark one there, but very relevant. If you can actually read, or shall we say in this case, listen to this message, and not only listen to this message, but understand it, you are more fortunate mm -hmm. than 3 billion people in the world who cannot see, hear, and suffer from a mental retardation. So it goes to show, and I don't think it's just the mental ability to actually understand what I'm saying, but also the access to technology. You know what I mean? Johnny, we were talking about this earlier. If you listen to this now, you have enough money and security and time to be listening to a 45-minute podcast. Like, there's not many people who have that luxury who can say, yeah, I'm just going to listen to this podcast for 45 minutes. And of course, it's no discredit to your podcast, course, Johnny. I hope you're not <laughs> interpreting it like that. No, no, it's no, just highlight yeah. to people like, things can really be worse. And to finally, life is not about complaining, pain and sorrows. It's about a thousand other reasons to be grateful and happy. Now, I didn't write that, but it made me realize the simple fact that I would love to write on this poster. Things can always be worse. When you've missed your train, there's someone who can't even get a train. There's someone who's just lost their mother. There's someone who doesn't know their mother. You know, so I know it sounds terrible, but it comes back to a proverb. I don't know if it was Chinese or Nigerian, but the proverb was... I was complaining because I didn't have any shoes on and I was walking around barefoot. And then I saw a man with no feet and I realized how grateful and lucky I was. So please, if you take anything away from this podcast, whether it's speed reading, memory training, remember that things can always be worse, regardless of what you're pursuing or your current state right now. Wow, amazing stuff. Gratitude is definitely something that I preach all the time. So thank mm. you very much, Jordan, for joining me on the podcast today. Absolute pleasure. And uh, thank you for letting me treat all your listeners' ears off. <laughs> if you have made it all the way to the end of the podcast, thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation and you can learn more about Study Fast or connect with Jordan by visiting his Instagram or the Study Fast website, both of which will have links in the description below. 
If you want that free lesson copy, make sure to shoot me a message or connect with Jordan directly and said you came from this podcast episode. Now, I want you to screenshot a picture of the podcast, share it on Instagram or any other social media and tag three friends that you think would find this podcast interesting. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, leave a rating or review on whatever platform you're listening through. I would greatly appreciate that. And be sure to follow me on Instagram at Johnny underscore Sue. That's J-O-N-N-Y underscore H-S-U. And to follow the Broaden Your Perspective podcast on streaming platforms like Apple Music or Spotify for future episodes.